Now that you have a general overview of the Bible and some specifics in Genesis, we will now cover Exodus, Deuteronomy. This sets up Joshua and the rest of the historical books, because much of what occurs in the history of Israel is directly connected to whether or not they follow the Mosaic Law. Exodus. There arose a Pharaoh who did not know Joseph. He saw the people multiplying and commanded that all the males born were to be killed by throwing them into the Nile River. But the women feared God and did not obey. There was a baby born in 1525 BC, who was rescued from the water, grew up in Pharaoh's court with his mother as his keeper. Application there is some debate about which pharaoh this was. It depends on when you date the Exodus, which I date about 1445 BC. This boy was named Moses and he learned all things Egyptian, but his mother told him all things about where he came from. As he grew up, he wanted to deliver his people, who had been in slavery for hundreds of years. At 40 he killed an Egyptian, ran for his life, ended up in Midian, where he marries, and stays for 40 more years. At 80 years old, God calls him from the burning bush to go back to Egypt and free God's people, chapters 1-4. Application, this reminds us that no matter how old or young you are, God can use you. Age is not a hindrance to God's power and God's plan. In chapters 5-12, God sends Moses and his brother Aaron to Pharaoh and ten plagues later, the Israelites are freed. In chapter 12, God tells the people to do something odd. God institutes the Passover. Those who did not have blood over the sides and top of their doors lost their firstborn, no matter how old they were, of man and animal. In chapters 13-18, the people celebrate the Feast of Unleavened Bread and then they leave, cross the Red Sea, and rejoice. But soon after, they grumble because things get tough, wishing they were back in Egypt, human nature never changes. Moses learns not to do so much through his father-in-law Jethro, and they arrive at Mount Sinai two months later. Chapters 19-40 give the account of Israel at Mount Sinai for about one year. While they are encamped around the mountain, God tells them many things. He had rescued His people and wanted them to come into relationship with Him. God gives the Ten Commandments in 20-1-17, and then numerous rules. This is known as the Mosaic Covenant, or Law. This covenant was two-way. God has His part and Israel had their part. If someone didn't fulfill their part of the promise, then there were severe consequences to breaking it sometimes that included death. God always kept His promises, but Israel failed and suffered the consequences. Application, this will be important to keep in mind when we study the history books, because most of the problems the Israelites faced were because they failed to follow through with obeying God and the law. God was very specific what the consequences would be, Deuteronomy 28 for example. We will see these consequences throughout their time in the promised land. God gave some sacrifices and in chapter 24, they affirm the covenant by promising to obey God and are sprinkled with animals' blood through Moses, known as the Law or the Mosaic Covenant. Question, why did God give this? 1. Galatians says the Law was given because of sin, Galatians 3 17-26. 2. It is a declaration and explanation of God's character. 3. It shows we cannot attain God's righteousness, but it pushes us to God's grace and mercy. 4. God was giving the Israelites their culture. They were slaves for 400 years. And had no idea how to live as a community. They had no rules, no direction. And no idea what God expected. God is very practical. He tells them as a nation of people He expected them to be different from the world. Application, God expects His church to be different than the world too, in all things and in every way. Do we, you and I, and our church, look different than the world? Or, do we look like the world? A church that thinks, acts, 
and looks like the world will not reach the world, but is compromised with the world. This part of the law is critical to understand when it comes to the entry into the promised land and the Israelites settling there. I've mentioned a few things already, but when we see why God punished the people, it was because they broke the covenant. This was a very serious matter in the ancient world, and one that the people fully understood, and broke it anyways. Chapters 25-31 are the instructions for a portable worship tent, the tabernacle. It would be here that God would meet with His people. It was set up in two sections, the holy place and the most holy place or holy of holies. God gave instructions how to construct it and what furniture to put in it. There was the Ark of the Covenant, containing the Ten Commandments, Aaron's rod that butted and a bowl of manna. This had the mercy seat on top and was in the most holy place. There was the table of showbread, which had twelve shelves for the unleavened bread. Third there was the menorah or lampstand. This was a large seven-branch lamp with olive oil feeding it and gave light in the tabernacle. There was the altar of incense. These four things were in the tabernacle, all of which would be covered with gold, from the Egyptians. Outside was a large fence with one door constructed and in the courtyard area, there was the bronze laver, where the priests and high priest would wash themselves before offering the sacrifices on the altar of burnt offering. They were told how to make the clothing for the priests and high priest, 28. While God spoke these things to Moses, the people become impatient and constructed a golden calf and worshipped it in chapter 32. Many died because of their sin. Chapter 33 is the command to leave Sinai and Moses' request to see God's glory. Chapters 34-40 include the reassurance of God's presence and construction of the tabernacle. Image from ESV Study Bible, p. 190-191. Leviticus. This book describes the responsibilities of the priests. It gives the sacrifices and specific ways these were to be instituted. The theme is holiness. God tells His people to be holy because He is holy, as Peter does in 1 Peter 1 15, quoting Leviticus 11 44-45, 19-2, 20-7. Chapters 1-7 of Leviticus are the laws about the sacrifices people would bring to the priests to offer to the Lord for their sins. This was the people's responsibility. Chapter 1, Burnt Offerings. Chapter 2, Grain Offerings. Chapter 3, Peace Offerings. Chapter 4-1-5-13, Sin Offerings. Chapters 5-14-6-7, Trespass Offering. Each had a specific reason and purpose in addition to the regular morning and evening sacrifices that were required. The next portion was the priest's responsibility. 6-8-13 speak of the burnt offerings. 6-14-23 refer to the grain offerings. 6-24-30 is about the sin offerings. 7-1-10 talk about the trespass offerings and the peace offerings are spoken of in 7-11-36. The sacrifices had specific requirements. The burnt offerings were voluntary and given to cover sin in general. The entire animal except for the skin was burnt on the altar signifying complete dedication to God. The grain offerings accompanied all burnt offerings, signifying thanksgiving to God and were voluntary. The sin offerings were required and offered to atone or cover sins done in ignorance. Some of the animal was offered on the altar, but the rest was burned outside the camp. The trespass offerings were also required for sins of ignorance, committed against the Lord or man. Neither the sin nor trespass offerings meant nothing in cases of blatant rebellion against God. The peace offerings were voluntary and an expression of fellowship and peace between the one who offers it and God. It was also an expression of gratitude for God because of His faithfulness or because someone wanted to thank Him. This is the only offering where a portion of it was eaten by the one who brought it. The animals that were offered varied according to the wealth the family had. In addition, the animals were drained of blood before being offered. 
This was done by slitting the neck and letting the blood drain out. Application, they shed their blood. Without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sin. The animals took the place of the guilty party who deserved to die, just like in the Garden of Eden. Chapters 8-10 give the start of the priesthood and the ordination of Aaron, his sons, the offerings of the first sacrifices, and execution of Nadab and Abihu for offering strange fire on the altar in chapter 10. There are purification rituals, things that were okay and things forbidden in chapters 11-16. Some animals were okay to eat, cattle and some were forbidden, pigs. Chapters 17-22 include various and specific rules regarding blood, sexuality, being a good neighbor, crimes worthy of death and instructions for the priests. Leviticus 23 gives a summary of the seven feasts of Israel. 1. Passover. 2. Unleavened bread. 3. First fruits. 4. Weeks, Pentecost. 5. Trumpets, Rosh Hashanah. 6. Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. 7. Tabernacles, Booths or Ingathering. Each feast had a specific purpose, and the three pilgrim feasts were Pentecost, Unleavened Bread, and Tabernacles. All males, and their families, were required to come to the tabernacle or temple and worship as a community. The rest of Leviticus refers to the tabernacle, year of jubilee, a challenge to obey God and the buying back or redemption of those who belong to God. Numbers. The Hebrew name means in the wilderness because this book gives the account of the travels of the nation of Israel, some 1.5 million people, though liberal scholars would say it is much less than this, from Mount Sinai to the Promised Land. Chapters 1-10 is the organization of the nation into armies around the tabernacle and for travel. Application. It is important to note that the tabernacle was situated in the center of the camp, with the tribes surrounding it. This meant that not only could each tribe and person see the glory of God in the tabernacle, but that the Lord must take center space in the community and in their lives. That is an important lesson for us as Christians as well. Is Christ at the center of our lives? Is He our focus of worship? Is He the one we look to for strength for life, family, ministry, resources, and direction? Numbers 10:11 tells us the cloud or glory of the Lord went up from the tabernacle, signaling it was time to move from the mountain to the land God promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Application The nation was at Mount Sinai for just over a year. God prepares His people before sending them into the world. If you are in a holding pattern take heart, be patient, learn the Bible, live the Bible, and remember that God is preparing you for the future He has for you, as you seek Him. Chapters 11-12 speak of Israel's complaining and rebelling against Moses and God soon after they leave Sinai. Chapter 13 gives the account of the ten spies sent into Canaan. Eight came back saying the people are too strong for them to win, but two, Joshua, who became Moses' right-hand man, and Caleb, said God promised them the land and to go in and take it. Chapters 14-25 show the rebellion of the first generation and the consequences of disobedience, death from twenty years old and up, 1429. Due to lack of faith, the generation that came out of Egypt died in the wilderness wandering for 38 years, rounded up to 40, 1433. They did not wander as we think, however. God led them and provided for them the entire time. God renewed the people and dealt with the false prophet Balaam. Chapters 26-36 refer to the second generation who would enter the land with their renewed obedience to the Lord and His law. They prepared to go into the land and reviewed their journey. There are also additional laws and ordinances given in the rest of Numbers. Deuteronomy. The book covers about a month, 40 years after the exodus from Egypt, so about 1405 BC. 
This book contains the farewell speeches and a review of the law for the new generation before they conquer the promised land while the people are camped in the plains of Moab, by the Jordan River across from Jericho, Numbers 36-13. Moses exhorts the people to trust the Lord and His covenantal promises to their forefathers. Moses gives three speeches. Chapters 1-4 are the first speech, where he gives a historical review of what has taken place up until this time and a command to obey the law. He gives the purpose and location of the cities of refuge. Chapters 4-28, his second speech, refer to the Sinaitic-slash-Mosaic covenant. The Ten Commandments are reviewed, warnings to follow God, and encouragement to love and fear God are given. Instructions for the people, leadership, worship, society and more are given and then the blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience are given in chapters 27-28. The third speech is contained in chapters 29-30, which is a covenant challenge to serve the Lord. There is a transfer of leadership to Joshua in chapter 31 and the Song of Moses there through 32-47. The end of Moses' life is recorded in 32-48-34, probably written by Joshua. Moses didn't enter the land because he was told by God to speak to a rock but he became angry and hit it with his staff, though by God's grace, he was permitted to see it. So, after some 600 years, God brought his people to the promised land, where Abraham lived, as God promised. Genesis, Deuteronomy is known as the law. It is the foundation for the Jewish people and the rest of the Bible. Application, Christians are no longer under the law, nor the penalty for breaking it, death. But the law is good and can teach us a lot. No one has ever or could ever be saved by the law because it exposes our sins and inability to save ourselves. Jesus Christ fulfilled the law for us and now through the Spirit, we can love God and love our neighbor, which fulfills the whole law, Galatians 5:14. God gave the people the law, 613 ordinances to follow. He gave them instructions on how to live, worship, and deal with people. These opening books give the beginning of the Levites or priesthood. Priests stood in the place of people and offered up sacrifices for forgiveness of sins and prayers to God on behalf of the people. Application The priests and sacrifices are a picture of Jesus as our great high priest, who offered himself as the perfect sacrifice for our sins. He intercedes for us to the Father. Christ fulfilled the sacrificial system in his death. Though Jesus wasn't burned, he gave all of himself, shedding his blood, at his sacrifice. We deserve to die for our sin, but he took our place. Jesus was sinless, portrayed in the grain offering. Christ was made sin for us, 2 Corinthians 5:21, which means He was our sin offering. He did not literally become sin. Through His death, all our sins, Colossians 2:13, are forgiven and through Him we have peace with God, Romans 5:1. Jesus was crucified on Passover as the Lamb of God. He was in the grave, sinless or unleavened, but resurrected on the third day. This fulfilled the Feast of Firstfruits. Fifty days later at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came, and in one sense, the Church began. All these things point to Jesus, the promised seed in His life, death, and resurrection from the dead that whoever puts their faith in will not perish but have eternal life. This shows you how the Old Testament points to Jesus, and now I remind you of our acronym, H-I-S-T-O-R-Y. What you have already been studying is history. This is a constant. We have also seen a lot of sin, and the origination of the nation of Israel through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob and the twelve tribes of Israel. You briefly learned about the Exodus and feasts and the Mosaic Law. Again, I remind you that this is key to understanding the events that occur within the historical books. When the people disobey God during the time of the judges, He judges them through allowing or bringing their enemies to them, to oppress them because of their sin. We also see this throughout 1 and 2 Kings and 1 and 2 Chronicles. Yet, 
God restores His people when they turn to Him, as promised in the Mosaic Law. I will remind you of these things as we continue the class. The Historical Books The historical books, beginning with Joshua continue the narrative of the Israelites. The main character is God, and these books show how He fulfilled His promises to His people. Though they were not always faithful, and often failed miserably and rebelled overtly, God kept His promises to them. These are some of the aspects you will see repeatedly in this course. Outline for the historical books. I want to give a summary of how the lecture notes will be categorized for each book, or class. This will give you the basic structure and what to expect. The length of information for each one will differ, depending on the length of the book and how much background, context, or character studies will be given. Some information will be a summary from the book, but this will give you one place for this information, and repetition is always good. Here are the categories with a brief explanation of each one. Author, who wrote the book. We know the ultimate author is God, but there is a human writer, which I am referring to as the author of the book or books here. Date, when it was written. Some books are easier to date than others. Outline, basic summary or breakdown of the book. Key themes slash events, important insights for you to look for or consider about the book. There are many. Historical context, the cultural, historical, and grammatical background. There is a lot to this, so I will only give a hint of it for this class. God in the books, perhaps one of the most important things to see. While God is always at work in history, particularly with the nation of Israel, there are specific events or things He does as you will see. Connection with Messiah and New Testament, sometimes hard to see, but there are times when Jesus or the New Testament writers refer to one of the historical events in the books we will cover. Character studies, learning about the people who were involved in these historical events. We will cover a variety of people, some well-known, and some not so well-known, so that you can see how God can use people, use you and to help you understand the biblical text itself. Don't ever forget, these were real people. Something else to keep in mind, which the book addresses, is that the initial text was written at a specific time in history, there were additions, led by the Holy Spirit. One example is the to this day comment that is seen in various parts of the historical books. Sometimes different names are given in the same sentence, like Jebus and Jerusalem, Joshua 18:28, Judges, 19:10, 1 Chronicles 11:4, etc. Obviously, Jerusalem didn't exist as the Israelites defined it in Joshua or Judges. So, this was added some time later. This does not detract from the fact that the Bible is God-breathed, reliable and truth. It shows us there was updated documentation, as any document would be, except this was done by the leading of the Holy Spirit as the New Testament states.